Amen. Well, as you guys know, we are uh, taking time <clears throat> this month to raise uh, funds for the International Mission Board, the Lottie Moon offering, and also uh, the Grace Harbor Church, their West End Ministry Center. Um, and, uh, but as you know, Pursun and his family, they're, they're independent of both of those. But I wanted to be able to allow you guys, allow all of us to see uh, kind of what's going on in the lives of those that we're supporting. So let me pray for them and uh, as we dive into the word together. Father, we do thank you so much for the work that is happening uh, there in Delhi. We thank you for uh, Pursun and Ju Julianne and their kids. Father, we thank you for those that you've gathered so far. And we do pray that you would um, call out others, uh, both from here who, who might go in order to support and encourage the work to strengthen uh, the ministry opportunities that are there. But, Father, for those who are far from you in Delhi, Lord, we pray that you would um, call out those. You might save them. You might establish this church firmly. Father, we pray for the resources that they need. We pray for a meeting place. We pray for favor with the, uh, the, the landowners, the building owners, that they might be able to find a place and the, the landowners would be okay with them doing church there. Father, we pray that you would bless the work that they're doing and may your name be glorified as they seek to honor you there, even as we gather here and, and are seeking to honor you here. And Father, I, just, I do pray over these next few minutes as we open your word together, as we consider... Uh, you and, and Jesus, why you came. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we might fully understand. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as you know, we have a few little people with us. And so uh, I wanted to start out this morning with a little game. And if we do this right, uh, I somehow I have two prizes for people. I, I know it's books. Actually, um, the light caps gave me a tie, and it has lots of books on it, so I figured it'd be appropriate to uh, give away books this morning. So if you noticed, in your bulletin, you had, some, you had a little quiz. Um, all of the questions are on that except for one. So one, if you get the last question, you, you get this red pretty book. That's what Zoe calls this one when we go read it at home. You get the pretty book. If you get all the other ones, I have one, one book for you, o only one. But so we're going to kind of do this together. It'll be on your honor. We'll figure out how to give away this one. So the first one is this. These are, these are different titles for familiar Christmas songs, okay? And, and this is going to make sense why we're doing it this way when we get to the end. So the first, first one is this. Listen, winged heavenly messengers proclaiming tunefully. What is that? Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing. All right, the next one. The lad is a miniature percussionist. Brian, yes. No, the little drummer boy. All right. And the next one. As guardians of woolly animals protected their charges during Earth's darkness. Say that ten times real fast. Mm -hmm. As, while shepherds, uh, while, while by the sheep we watched at night. All right. The Christmas preceding all others. The first Noel. The first Noel. All right. And, oh, this is what? The Twitter padding sound made by metallic vessels that vibrate when shaken. What? 
Jingle bells. It's so much easier just to say jingle bells. All right. Give us peace. This is the bonus one. This is the one that was not on your thing. And if you get it, if you know this, raise your hand because it's foreign. Peace on earth. No, not quite. Not quite. This is the one I told Carolyn this week she might get, and I didn't give it away. What is it? Dona Nobis Pachem. Dona Nobis Pachem. Good job. All right. So did anybody else get all of the others? Raise your hand if you think you got all the others. All right. Al, Joyce got them all. I tell you what. Can you pass this down to her? All right. So the reason, I, I, and I realize, give us peace, Dona Nobis Pachem, is kind of a tricky one. It's not something we often sing um, because it, it's, it's not in English. Um, but there is something in us that longs for peace, right? There's something in us that needs peace. We long for some semblance of tranquility. We long for something different than the hustle and bustle of our, our normal everyday lives. And yet, for some reason, we have made Christmas this crazy frenzy of activity. And I think this longing for peace is something that is present in nearly every culture. We want a sense of calm. And I think recognizing this innate desire that we have for peace, God promised peace in the message of the, of the, of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9, 6, when he said, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I think if we could boil down the, the elements that relate to our theme of, of peace into a tongue-twisted theme, we might say something like this, and you're about to get all of the blanks right now if you want to fill them out or you can wait. But for unto us a child is born, this Prince of Peace, we could say that this is the Pickney Prince propagates peace. The Pickney Prince propagates peace. I was going to ask someone if you could say that 10 times, but obviously I can't even say it twice. The picnic prince propagate, propagates peace. Um, but as we think about this child that is born, let's think about this theme, and we're going to begin with picnic. In other words, a child is born. Pickney is a Caribbean word for child. And, and frankly, in light of the other words that we had, I needed something that started with P, and picnic seemed like the best word. But Isaiah, when he was preaching, he was preaching during a time of darkness in the history of the people of Israel. It's not that the sun had gone out. It was just a gloomy, dismal time. He prophesied that a child would be born, and this child would usher in a time of hope, a time of peace for God's people. And I think one of the things to keep in mind is that prophecies like this are a bit like vistas. If we were to look out over the mountains or if we were to go out to the fields, we would see Sugarloaf Mountain and then some other hills in the distance. And sometimes it's different to delineate distances from one peak to another. And I think as Isaiah is looking out and, he, and God gives him a vision, a, a hope in the future, he says he sees a child 
And I think he sees a couple of children. He can't quite tell how far apart they are. I think there was a, a child that was close, and there was something that was farther off. And that farther off child is Jesus Christ, the one that, whose birth we're celebrating tomorrow. But really, this began to beg a question for me. And thinking about this, this child that was to be born, what is a child? What is a child? Essentially, a child is, a, is an immature, a small human being. It's just this little baby human, right? But a child is dependent. A human child is particularly dependent in, in most of the animal kingdom. If you ever watched other animals get to be born, we've seen a couple goats be born in the last few years. And, and it's so interesting, goats, when they, it doesn't take long for them to be able to get up on their feet and be able to move around. And yet we, can't, we think a baby is doing really well if at nine months they're starting to crawl, if at a year they're standing on their two feet and walking on their own. And think about this. Baby humans are so dependent that not only does it take them years just to be able to feed themselves, it takes them decades to gain independence. It takes them decades to learn to live on their own. This child, a a child is weak. There's little strength within a child. A child lacks initial ability. There's nothing that the child can do on its own. But a child is full of potential. A child is full of potential. There is a whole future waiting to be realized in the life of this child. And I think in the same way, Jesus came weak. He came fully dependent on his mom and his his stepdad. But he came full of potential He grew up just like you and me, needing his mom for nearly everything for the first several years of his life. And I think in similar fashion, Jesus' church, his church was birthed in weakness. It was birthed in dependence upon the Holy Spirit and on each other and yet full of potential. And when you think about it now, just as this morning, sometime today, in fact, maybe even while we're meeting, Prasoon is having their Christmas Eve service. It's evening time there in India. And there are believers worshiping our God together, worshiping this child together in nearly every country and every time zone around the world today. But as people who live in light of Jesus' life, we live in the same way. We live weak or humble. We shouldn't try to force our way. We live in godliness and allow God to work his will through us. But we should also live a bit dependent, dependent on the Spirit, the leading, how the Spirit leads each of us according to God's Word, according to the way in which He's fashioned us to fully honor Him. When you consider all that Jesus did and taught, He challenged us to live in a childlike way. In Luke 18, 16 to 17, He says, but... Jesus called them to him, the children. He said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So kids, those of you guys who are not normally in the service, I realize this feels a little bit awkward, but I want to encourage you, keep searching, keep 
seeking after God because all of us adults, we need to seek after him in the way that you do. We need to learn from you in that. So in this, in this prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we hear that this child is born. But we also learn that, the, that this promised Pickney would be a prince. In other words, he was part of the royal line. Both Matthew and Luke talk about the fact that this child to be born was an heir to the throne of David. He has royal lineage. But more than that, as prince, as son of God, he is heir to the throne of God. The angels told both Mary and Joseph that Jesus would be of God, that he would be considered the son of God. In Hebrew, the word that we read as prince can also be seen as representative or, or as ambassador. And this child would be an ambassador, a representative of peace, and ultimately a, a representative of God. This word is also used in various places in the Old Testament to describe a commander or chief or an official. And calling this child a prince of peace has a poetic ring to it, and in some ways it mimics the alliteration that we see in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it literally reads sar shalom, which is very similar to the way that Bobby in Persian or in, in Farsi greets folks. How do you say it, Bobby? Salam, which means peace. This prince or, or commander or chief is a ruler, a leader, a governor of peace. And Isaiah continues the discussion of, the, of this governing authority of the prince in the next verse in, in Isaiah 9, 7. He says, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, when Jesus stepped onto the scene in humility, he didn't demand respect. He didn't command people to worship him. People just worshiped him because they saw him as the fulfillment of what God was doing. They, as, as he grew and as he taught, people began to follow him because they realized he was a man of integrity, a man who had something to say, a, a man who could be trusted. He exhibited a life lived well with integrity and righteousness. He is the kind of prince that people want to be around, that people are compelled to obey and serve, not because they have to, but because they want to. And I think it's important for us to recognize as the kingdom of God, as the reign of Jesus in our lives continues to grow within us, are we allowing him to have that full reign? Are we holding things back? Is his government reigning fully in our lives individually and in our lives corporately, collectively as a church? So Isaiah prophesied that this child would be born and one of, his one of his titles would be Prince of Peace. So we could say that this Pickney Prince propagates. Yeah, nearly every leader has something they want to get across. They have some sort of agenda that they want to pass along. And we, um, we might think that, that rulers try to do things. Often it's to make their own name known. 
In fact, there are so many people, for instance, who will run for president of the United States knowing that they will never win, but it looks really good when you're going out on the speaking circuit. You can command a little bit of a higher price. Or really, some, some of these people are running just to get their name out. But this child that Isaiah speaks of, he's going to propagate something. It's not necessarily his name. What he's propagating is the last word that we're going to consider today and really the, the key that we need to get to, and that is peace. This Pickney Prince propagates peace. And this concept of peace is something that we find throughout the Bible. And peace is often experienced within the context of a relationship of love and loyalty with one another. And there are several ways that, that peace is referenced in the Bible. It's often, act, often used as a greeting, much like Bobby would say salam. People in the Old Testament would say shalom. They would greet each other in that way. In fact, the angels, when, when they would oftentimes come to, to people, they had to say, hey, peace, fear not, don't worry, shalom. But it was used in, in peace was also used in, in a general sense of welfare, making sure that people's lives are whole. How is your peace? Peace was also used to refer to a time of, in which there was no hostility or, or war. And that goes with that. I mean, we kind of understand that. We recognize, yeah, if there is no war, there is no peace. And, and I think there was something I read recently that only 8% of the known history has been a, a time without conflict somewhere in the world. And so that idea of not having any hostility or war is something that is foreign to, to us in many ways. And peace also is referred to as a state of relationships, one that is characterized by a friend who cares, who has loyal love. Augustine described peace as the tranquility of order. But I think as we think of this peace, about the, the peace that is propagated by this Pickney Prince, it seems that there are a few specific ways that we can interpret this, that we can hold on to this. And one is personal peace. And I think this is kind of peace that happens in the midst of any circumstance. You see, the night before Jesus was crucified, he told his disciples in John 14, 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled and neither let them be afraid. See, Jesus' disciples, they were about to face something extremely difficult and challenging as their teacher, their rabbi, was going to be killed the very next day, and they didn't fully get all that. Granted, he would rise again three days later, and then about five weeks later, he would be ascended to heaven, and so they wouldn't see him on earth again. And now they're in this time of conflict. that They're, they're trying to start a church, start a movement in Jesus' name in a world that doesn't believe in him. And so for people who follow and obey Jesus' teachings, there is a, a sense in which he provides peace in the midst of the storms of life, a confidence that God is in control. In, in John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then he gives them this promise. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I think in addition to personal peace in the face of any circumstances, there's the personal peace that is internal peace. And that is as God addresses the guilt of our sin, as Jesus addresses the, the, the challenge that we recognize we're not living life that we, 
the way that we should. Thomas A. Kempis wrote, first put yourself at peace and then you may, then you may the better, then may you <laughs> the better make others. Ah, let me start that again. <laughs> first put yourself at peace and then you may the better make others be at peace. A peaceful and patient man is of more profit to himself and to others too than a learned man who has no peace. That translation from Latin gets a little funny. I think in, in addition to bringing personal peace, this Pickney Prince propagates interpersonal peace. And this is essentially peace with one another. This child whose birth we celebrate came and taught us how to live, and we saw briefly last week how he encouraged his followers to be peacemakers. He provided an example of how we should live in humility. Yeah, we may get humiliated. Some people may take advantage of us. And there's a natural response in us to step out and fight or to want retribution or want vindication and want to get back at others. And so often when we work at getting back at others for wrongs that they have done to us, we really only make things worse. And as Jesus taught that there is a better way, he said in Matthew 5, 38 to 42, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And it may sound like Jesus' people are simply supposed to be pushovers, running down the path of least, resist least resistance. But I think in some ways it takes a great deal of strength for us to go this path of humility, trusting that God is in control. And yet there's one final area of peace that, that Jesus, this Pickney Prince, propagates, and that is eternal peace. That is peace with God. Often our notions of peace are relegated to temporary things, right? We, and that's not to say that temporary peace isn't important. We have that per, poorly worded text, and now, thankfully, you can kind of delete it in hopes of, that people haven't seen it yet. But sometimes we just say things that cause conflict. Sometimes we respond to, to other people a little bit too harshly, and I, I know I do that. Sometimes we don't know how to talk to people who are of, a, of the rival political party. Or there's this conflict that gets built up with our neighbors over a variety of things. All those areas of conflict are important, but they are temporary. They're going to go away in time. When Jesus emerged onto the world, he did so as an ambassador of God to bring eternal and lasting peace between God and humanity. Matthew Henry has said, what peace can they have who are not at peace with God? You see, we all have this sin problem. 
Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that problem has rewards or consequences. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And by coming and living this perfect life that we never could, Jesus became the perfect payment for our sinful predicament. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So then the question becomes, how do we receive this free gift of eternal life? How do we take advantage of the peace that Jesus is offering for eternity? How does Jesus' righteousness become my righteousness? How do we get to be in him in order to become the righteousness of God? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 answers that question. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so if we confess and believe, we get to be justified. Romans 5.1 gives us this promise. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What greater gift could you receive this year, this Christmas, than receiving the gift of Jesus? So let me ask you, will you repent of your sin? Will you confess that Jesus is Lord? Will you believe that God raised him from the dead? Will you receive his righteousness? Will you experience eternal peace with God through Jesus Christ? Billy Graham once said, Christ alone can bring lasting peace, peace with God, peace among men and nations, and peace within our hearts. So my hope is that we too will live in and promote the peace that Jesus brings. Let me pray for us as we, as we conclude our time. Father, we do thank you for entering into the chaos, entering into the craziness of our world in order to bring us peace in order to reconcile us with you, in order to bring us into a right relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray that you might help us to be, help us to have the faith we need to trust you. Help us to have the faith we need to confess and admit that we are far from you because of our sin. Father, I pray that you would help us to promote the peace, Jesus, that you came to promote. Peace that is firmly established on your word. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that reconciles us with you. Help us to walk confidently in that. In Jesus' name.